Pastor Brian, we're going to have some fun this morning. I've already decided since this church is called Joy that we're going to have fun. And if you don't like having fun in church, you will hate today, probably, and, and, and want to go back to the sad place that you used to be going to, and I don't know. But anyway, and, and I should mention also purple, gold. Now, if they win, or when they win, they're going to win. Boy, I tell you what, we got a lot of confidence here. We got more confidence in the Vikings than God today. <laughs> you will probably see this shirt and tie again next week. Just, tell, just saying. It's not that I'm superstitious, but I just don't want to take any chances either. So anyway, <laughs> just kidding. All right. So, um, but the second thing I want to say to you today is January 14th. It is the second Sunday of January. How many of you were here last week for the kickoff of our series one? Just raise your hand. All right, give yourselves a hand because you have perfect attendance throughout all of 2018. Uh, uh, you know, God last week was going to answer all of your prayers because you've never missed a Sunday uh, this year. This week, I think God's just going to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. If you think that God's motivated by perfect attendance, then guess what? You're, you're, on, you're on your path. You're on the way. Now, I wouldn't be too convinced about God being motivated and moved by your church attendance. Pastor Brian might be, Pastor Tim might be, others of us might be, but God's not. God's motivated by one thing, he's motivated by faith. Amen? He wants us to trust and to believe him, and that's what this series is really about. And as I mentioned to you last week, he's like, well, Pastor Brian, you're taking four weeks to tell me one thing, and how many one things can you tell me about? And, and, and really, I look at it this way. This is one message, this is one sermon, but it's divided into four weeks because I'm asking the question, how many of you want to have a great, awesome, wonderful 2018? Anybody? All right, you should want to have a great 2018. You really, 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 really should want this. Now, I know that there are some people, some of you are already tracking with me. Yes, I want 2018 to be great. I've already put down my list. I've already turned over some new leaves. I've already done some things. Others of you might be thinking, well, you know, I've tried this before. I've heard some of this stuff before. I've given up on new leaves. I've given up on, you know, looking at two, the, the start of a new year as a start of a new habit, that kind of a thing. And so I, I'm asking a second kind of a follow-up question because I think this is probably more important than just desiring to have, and I've used this illustration. How many of you ladies particularly that have had kids, you know there's a difference between desiring a baby and expecting a baby, right? There's a big difference, between I just want to have a child and then the glad news of I am pregnant, I am going to have a child. And there's a difference, the same thing in, in the kingdom of God. There's a difference between desiring something and expecting something. And so the second follow-up question is, what does a great 2018 look like to you? If 2018 is going to be a great year, what is that year going to look like? That begins to paint a picture. That begins to cause expectancy to rise in our hearts. And so I think it's good. It is good to verbalize those things. It might be good to write those things down. It's good to have a record of what do I think, if 2018 is going to be awesome, what's it going to look like? And I think that's so important in the beginning. And, and, and so my job in this series and as your pastor really is to try to help with some of these things because I desire, I want your 2018 to be the best year you have ever had. I want this to be the greatest year of, of increase, of life, of joy, and all of those things in your life. And so 
in this message, in this series of one, we've been using this scripture in, in Proverbs chapter three, verse five, mentioned it already. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, how much is all? You can't get any more than all, can you? If you have everything, then there's nothing left anywhere else. And so he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Again, not your blood pump. Heart is, is that inward part of you. It is the core, the fiber, the depth of your being. Trust in him with all your heart. And then he says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And as I mentioned last week, I, I, I want to say it to you again. All your ways means all your ways. That's your, your, your Monday ways, your Tuesday ways, your job ways, your hobby ways, your, your time ways, your career ways. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. The, the New Living Translation says it uh, like this. In everything that you do, put God first. In everything you do, put God first. And then the promise is he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. That's the New Living Translation, a little bit different. And so I've used, been using this illustration, used it once before, but this idea of a shirt. If you're wondering why this little mannequin is here with this shirt, uh, uh, it's to help you understand something. How many of you buttoned a shirt this week and remembered last week? Anybody? All right, a couple of you did. All right, well, I'll try harder. All right, so maybe you didn't button your shirt. But anyway, uh, maybe you didn't wear a shirt with buttons. I don't know. Maybe you just had sweatshirts because it was really cold. But anyway, my whole point in this is, is, is imagine this, this track of buttons. That's your life. These are your ways. This is everything that God perhaps wants to bring you into. We mentioned Psalm 139 last week, that God designed you, that he built you. He's very intentional about you. He's got a book. With all of your days in it, all of your ways in it, everything that he's designed for you is in, this, is in a book. It says in Psalm 139. And so here's, here's the illustration. All of you have buttoned a shirt at least one time in your life. How many of you have ever buttoned your shirt wrong? Anyone? Probably we've all done that, haven't we? We, we? we get that first button wrong, and what happens when the first button's wrong, what happens to the second button? It's wrong. And then what happens to the third button? And then the fourth button, all the way down, you get to the very end and you realize you were what? And then what do you got to do? You got to back up. You got to unbutton all the way back to the top and then start over. And, and, and that's inconvenient. It's a little bit frustrating, uh, those kinds of things. But here's the thing. If this is the course of your life, and let's just say that each one of these buttons are five or 10 years or, or you know, whatever it might be. How long do we want to spend going the wrong way? Do we want to reach the very end of our life and think, oh, man, it, I was wrong. I guess the things that I thought weren't exactly the way I thought it was, and I, I, I've been wrong. How long do we want to spend going the wrong way when it comes to, whoo, power of God causing people to fall down and everything else? He lost his head. Woo-hoo. He's kind of a blockhead anyway, <laughs> or a pinhead. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> sorry about that. It's bothering me now. It's got to be straightened out. There we go. That's a little bit better. Get a zipper. Yeah, exactly. That would be easier, wouldn't it? Or Velcro, one or the other. <laughs> so, so, again, 
when we talk about trusting the Lord, what we're talking about, again, so how long do we want to spend going the wrong direction? Do we want to go five years the wrong direction, you know, in, in relationships or in finances? Do we want to spend five or ten years on the wrong journey, on the wrong path? And so really what we're talking about is an invitation to ask God into our life. Because again, the wisdom of Solomon is if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, if we don't prop ourselves up on what we think, lean to our own understanding, but in every one of our ways acknowledge him, the promises he will direct our paths. He will show us the way to go. He will crown our efforts and crown our life with success. And so really what we're talking about in this is, is not so much priorities as you might think of priorities. We're talking about something far deeper. When we're talking about trusting in the Lord, we're really talking about our heart. And what we're really dealing with are heart issues. And the, if I could give you a priority from last week, it was simply this, make God number one. Put him first. And if God is first, if God is number one, if God's ways are number one, then guess what? The second step will be right. And the third step could be right. The fourth step, as long as we remember the priority of keeping him number one in our life, that will make all the difference in our world. Now, here's the thing that we do as Christians and as preachers, we do this a lot of times. We'll pull out a verse and we'll talk about the verse. And sometimes what that does is it leaves the assumption that that's all the, the, the writer or the Holy Spirit was talking about. But Solomon didn't stop here. Solomon didn't end here. He, he said in Proverbs 3, 6, and again in the living, it says, in everything that you do, put God first. He will direct you and he will crown your efforts with success. And, and for me, and I, I mentioned this last week, I want to say it to you again this week. For me, what it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart means to believe that God's smarter than you are in everything. God's, I, I got a one amen. Everybody else is like, wait, What? <laughs> what? <laughs> God's smarter than you are in everything. Our tendency is to trust God in the areas that we don't have any control. We trust God for our eternity because we really don't have any control about our eternity. We might face a, a, a physical thing that we have no control over. And so now we're going to trust the Lord in that thing. We may have a situation that is so big in our life that we can't overcome it. So now we're going to trust the Lord. But this isn't talking about that. This isn't talking about places that you don't have control. This is talking about places of your life that you have control. And he says in everything. And if a person could have ever trusted in his own wisdom, it was Solomon. And yet he said, with all of his wisdom, I still don't lean to my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge him and I will trust him. And I, and I would think that for most of you, you're still kind of tracking with me. It, 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 but, but Solomon goes on here. Listen to what he says in verse seven. Don't be conceited, sure of your own wisdom. You see, uh, trusting the Lord, it's a hard issue. It's really an issue of pride. It's an issue of arrogance. It really is. You might think, well, I'm not proud. I'm not arrogant. Well, what did he say here? Uh, Solomon, don't be conceited, sure of your own wisdom. Pride is being convinced that you know best. Pride is being convinced that you know the right way or that your way is better. Now, it could be ignorance. And I hope that doesn't offend you this morning because there's a lot of people who just don't know about God. They just don't know a lot of things that God has offered to us, that God has given to us, that God has promised for us. But he goes on as he says, don't be conceited, sure of your own wisdom instead. Everybody say instead. Instead, here's the option. Instead, trust and reverence the Lord. Turn your back on evil. When you do that, then you will be given renewed health 
and vitality. This is the second time that he is attaching a promise to asking us to do something. Trust in me, I will guide you and crown your efforts with success. Don't trust in your wisdom. Don't be conceited. And if you're not conceited, then I'm going to give you renewed health and vitality. And so I think that a lot of us as church people, Christians, we've heard things like this. Yes, God's smarter. Yes, God's, you know, he's in control. He's great. Yeah, yeah, praise God. And we don't really deal with some of the hard issues that I think Solomon and Jesus later wants to get to. So like I said, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Solomon didn't stop there. He gave his verses 7 and 8, but he didn't stop there either. Solomon then cuts to the heart of the issue, and he puts his finger on the, I think, probably one of the most difficult areas of our heart and of our life. When I say to you, who wants to have a great 2018? What does a great 2018 look like to you? Chances are the words more or less in some combination are at a forefront. I want less debt, so I need more money. I want more peace, so I need less drama. I want better relationships, so I need less drama. Or less people withdraw. I, 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 I want more, you know, I, I want more muscle so I can have less weight. You know, I don't want to say the other word. So I, I, you know, I, so I've made some changes. I, there's more and there's less that's in here. But when I talk about priorities, that's not the priorities I want us to deal with because trusting in the Lord is a heart issue. Pride is a heart issue that we need to really deal with. We really need to think about our trust Our misplaced trust at times can derail God's efforts in our lives. And so Solomon in his wisdom puts his finger on the heart of probably what is at the root of most of our heart issues when it comes to particularly to trusting in the Lord. He says in verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. Everybody say best part. Honor the Lord with the best part of everything you produce. Here's the third time Solomon is saying, I believe by the Spirit of God, if you do this, God's going to do that. If you trust in me and acknowledge, or if you trust in the Lord and acknowledge the Lord, he will direct you, crown your efforts with success. If you're not conceited, he's going to bring vitality and life into your life. And then he, I think, puts his finger on one of the biggest areas of our life. And he says, trust, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of your, everything that you produce, and he will fill your barns with grain and your vats, with, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, Before I go on, let me ask you a question. How many of you still believe God's smarter than you are in everything? And he's working through some areas of our life. Working through areas of our life that concern us. Areas of our life that we are tempted to not trust the Lord in. And and, and if you're a guest this morning, or maybe you're kind of kicking the tires of this church or Christianity, you might have heard that last statement, honor the Lord with your your best. And and all of a sudden you might think, and I'm out. I'm out, I, I, I'm checking out, I'm done with this because, because I may be confirming to you one of the biggest fears or complaints that people have about the church is that the church only wants my money or the church is gonna make me feel guilty for either wanting stuff or having stuff. If I want a new car, or a snowmobile, a boat, a fish house, if I want whatever, you know, the, the latest style, if I, if I want this, then I'm gonna end up feeling guilty because somewhere in the world there's somebody who needs something like food or water and I want a car. And so you're going to make me feel guilty about it. So I just want to knock something in the head. If that's you, before you check out, before you punch out, before you say, I'm done with this because it confirms what I hate about church. 
Let me just ask you a couple things. I can't speak, first of all, I can't speak for every church. I can only speak for this church. And, and even before I say that, let me just say to you this. I didn't write, this church didn't write, the capital C church, the churches did not write this scripture or the hundreds of other scriptures in the Bible that deal with your possessions and money. God put it in there. And there's literally hundreds of verses that talk about your possessions. And so before you check out, before you say, you know, I'm done with this, at least consider something. Why does it seem like money and possessions are such a big deal to God? Why is it that the things that I possess seem like it's such a big deal to God? Why is that? Because I think if you would ask that question, if you would discover the answer to that question, it might change your view of a lot of things. And let me just say, this is Pastor Brian, this is my personal belief. I really, 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 really don't think God cares what you have. I really don't. I don't think God's upset. I don't think God's bent out of shape. He doesn't have his... Exactly. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I don't think God gets bent out of shape if you have a really nice house or a really great car. I don't think God cares about any of that stuff because really when you get right down to it, compared to what God has, what God possesses, I mean, what we ever could, the very best of life that you and I could ever get pales in comparison to what God already has. He doesn't, I don't think he's concerned about that the least bit. I really, really don't. I really, really think that God wants you and me, we, he wants us all healthy, wealthy, and wise. I believe that. Amen? I believe that God wants us healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I've always struggled with this because, like, does God want us, you know, poor, sick, and dumb? I mean, I don't think he does. Amen? And yet you hear people talk, well, you know, God wants to teach me something. He's made me sick to teach me something. You know what I've never heard? I've never heard, you know what, I got a raise at work. I guess God's trying to teach me something. Somebody really blessed me, and, I, and they get, you know, I, 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 somebody gave me a, a gift, and, uh, you know, God's must be, he must be trying to show me something. Pray, please pray for me that I understand what it is he's trying to show me. No, when we got a raise at work, you know why? Because we're better than everybody else. We just worked harder. It's all about us. But when something bad happens in our life, that's when we're turning to God. And again, not that that's wrong, not that that's bad, but why is it that we're so quick when it's negative, to think God's at the source of it, but if it's anything positive, that's a blessing. When he said in his word that if you acknowledge me and follow me, I will lead you and I'll crown you with success. If you're not conceited and arrogant, then I'm going to bring vitality to your life. So again, here's the question. Here's what I want you to ponder and to think about. He wants to be number one in your life, and if you get that first button right, the second button is going to probably be right and on down the line when you're acknowledging him in all your ways. So why is God so bent out of shape about my stuff? I believe that the reason that he's bent out of shape about your stuff, again, I don't think he cares what you have. He just doesn't want what you to, what you have to end up having you, to controlling you. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, <clears throat> he said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Whatever you treasure, whatever you value, whatever's the most important to you, that's what has your heart. And if you're uncertain what has your heart, then I would suggest looking at your calendar and your checkbook. Because whatever has your time and your money has your heart. 
You can talk about what you think has your heart, but that's one good way to examine and to know what is it that really, really has my heart. Because in this battle, this battle of keeping him number one, it isn't something you just fight one day. Well, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. He's number one in my, in my life. He's, he's my Lord and my Savior. Well, what about tomorrow? What about the next day? What about next month? What, and, and for some of you that have been around the Christian life for a while, you've sort of forgotten this principle. You've sort of, you sort of have gotten to a truce, if you will. There's areas of your life that he's number one in, and there's areas of your life that you're number one in. If we could just be honest this morning. And if you can't say amen... Say, oh, me. So Jesus, when he says in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, and he wants your heart. Doesn't care about your stuff, he wants your heart. And he knows that the number one battle for your heart and that issue of trust, the number one battle is going to be the stuff of your life. Honoring the Lord with the first part, honoring the Lord with your best, not your leftover, not whatever, you know, well, it's my leftover time, it's my leftover energy, it's my leftover strength, it's my leftover money. It's, God doesn't care about leftovers. He's not excited about leftovers. He wants the controlling portion and interest of your life. So Jesus talks about, about 10 verses of stuff there. Don't have this week at least the time to get into. And then the scripture that Steph read, scripture we talked about last week, therefore do not worry saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear after all these things the Gentiles seek. Jesus is saying, and we covered this last week, but let me again to bring people up to speed just a little bit. The things that you eat, drink, and wear, that was all first century issues. It sounds different in the 21st century. The stuff we eat, drink, and wear has been replaced with my mortgage and my job and my kids and what college and all these other things. And, and, and Jesus is like, wait a second, hang on, time out here. He said, these are the things that the Gentiles, the unbelievers, this is the stuff that people who don't have God in their life, this is the stuff that they worry about. You're acting like there is no God. You're acting like there's no God in your life. And then the famous verse, the famous another, like Solomon, here's another promise. He says in verse 33, put me first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things that you're worried about, thinking about, concerned about, they will be added to you four times now. We see if you will take one step towards God, God will take a giant step towards you. If you acknowledge him, he will lead you and crown your efforts with success. If you're not arrogant and conceited, he will bring vitality and health into your life. If you honor the Lord with your substance and with your increase, he will fill up your barn with stuff. And Jesus then saying, if you put me first, if you seek my kingdom and put my kingdom first rather than your kingdom, which is the famous prayer of the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, before we talk about my kingdom, let's talk about your kingdom. Before we get to give me today my daily bread, let's talk about your kingdom, God. What is it that you want to do? So, as I was looking at this, and this is kind of the second priority, if you will, three words really stuck out to me in this particular text in, in, in Luke's, or Matthew 6, 31. And, and those three words, do not worry or don't worry saying. Don't worry saying. Don't worry saying. 
don't worry, saying. I think what Jesus was trying to get across to his listeners and, and to us, I believe, what he's trying to get across to us is he's, he's trying to isolate a tension. There's a tension in all of us. He's trying to help us to see something. And that tension that's on the inside of us manifests itself a lot of times as worry. That tension of, am I going to trust God or am I going to trust me? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust my wisdom or my wealth or my stuff? You know, in those 10 verses from, from Matthew 6.21 to Matthew 6.31, Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. He said, you're either going to serve one or the other. You can't have it both ways. He didn't say you might not. He didn't say it's going to be hard to. He didn't say it's going to take a lot of prayer and fasting. He said, it is impossible. You can't serve both. You will end up either serving one or you will serve the other. And you're thinking, well, I don't serve money. Guess what? Anytime that you've wanted to do something and you look at your check and say, no, I can't do that, guess what? Money's your master. Money is telling you, nope, you can't do that. Nope, you can't get a new car. Nope, you can't go on vacation. Nope, you can't do that. Money has become your master. Got quiet in here all of a sudden. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to help you out of this. I'm trying to help you with something. Don't worry saying. Don't worry saying. Because whatever has your thought life, whatever has your vocabulary, has your heart. Why is Jesus so concerned about our heart? Why is he so concerned about our stuff? Because whatever has our stuff has our heart. Whatever has our stuff or whatever has our heart, it has our lives. I read this. I've had this sticky on my wall for probably two years, just waiting for the opportunity to be able to share it with you. <laughs> because this tension that we're talking about, it shows up in our life as fear and worry. Listen to this quote. <clears throat> worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it will cut a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. We all know this is true. How many of you have ever had a, a relational issue that dominates your thoughts? Or a financial issue? That that's all that you think about. Every other thought in your life is drained through that channel of that fear. Am I going to have enough? Or what about this person? Or what about this situation? Every single thought is drained through that. And if we give it place, if we give it enough time, if we give it a, a authority in our life, it will cut a channel in our thought life that will drain our life, it will drain our vitality, it will drain our, drain our strength and our faith all through that thing. And so when Jesus said, don't worry, saying, you might think that's impossible. Like the one lady said, <laughs> Worry is powerful in my life because almost all the stuff I worry about never happens. Some of you will get that on the way home. <laughs> See, we've all experienced that where, where it dominates our thought life to such a degree that that's, that's all that we think about. So Jesus knows that whatever you're worried about, whatever dominates your thought life, whatever dominates your, 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 your speaking, whatever. And, and Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you're wondering what's in your heart in abundance, listen to yourself. What are the, I've said this a gazillion times, words are containers. Like this bottle is a container of water or whatever I've placed in it. Your words are containers. 
Solomon said, your words have life and your words have death. Your words are containers. Your words can be filled with faith. Your words can be filled with love. Your words can be filled with bitterness. Your words can be filled with anger. Your words can be filled with, with hatred. But your words are a container. And, and, and God is saying, I've given you my word. Let your word be in my mouth and a sharp two-edged sword in your hand, the Bible says. You can take God's word in your mouth. God's word's full of faith. God's word contains faith. And if you need faith in your life, then you need to get God's word in your life. So why is God so concerned about my heart? Why does God care about my heart? Number one, God is concerned. This is why God wants your heart. Is because God wants your heart because your heart determines your, 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 your course. It determines your path. It determines your direction. And your direction will determine your future. Your heart, it says in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, guard your heart above everything else, for it determines the course of your life. What's in your heart is going to determine the course of your life. If, if, if a relational issue is dominating your thought life and, and, and that pressure is getting into your heart and it's something you're consumed with, that pressure of relationship is going to dominate the course of your life. If it's a financial worry and a fear, if it's a pain from the past, that can determine the course of your life, the direction of your life, and your direction will always determine your future. How you start out here and what has control of your heart is going to determine where you end up here. Your direction trumps everything. I don't care how much you want, desire, care, how good you are. Your direction in life will determine your destination in life. It is undeniable. It will happen. And so God wants your heart because your heart determines the direction and the future of your life. And, and also God wants your heart because that's where beliefs are formed. Your belief system is a part of, of your heart. What you really, really believe, that guides and directs your heart. Paul said in Romans 10, for with the heart man believes to righteousness. It is on the inside in our core of our being what we believe. What we believe determines our direction. And our direction determines our destination. If you believe, like I said last week, that you're an accident waiting for a place to happen, if that belief is deep down on the core, on the inside of you, and you feel inferior, insignificant, that will determine your direction. And your direction is going to determine your destination. But God says that you're his child. God says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so if I were you, well, actually, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 <clears throat> It says this, the weapons of our warfare. You're, you see, this is a fight right here. This is a battle right here. You do not want to at times surrender and submit all of your heart and life to the Lord. This is an everyday battle. Can I have one amen? I mean, we all struggle with this. We wrestle with this. But you're not left unarmed and you're not left alone in this fight. He said, the weapons of a warfare, they're not carnal. They're not fleshly. Your weapons are not of this world. They're mighty in God to pull down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every what? Bringing every what? Into what? You are to take every thought, every thought you think, every thought you thought you thunk, and you're to make it captive. You're to grab a hold of it. I, I, for whatever, I guess because I'm more visual, I, I, I imagine, I, I, at times I see 
my brain with hands on it. And there are things that come into my thought life that I can pick up and I can look and I can examine. And, I can, and, and your mind is awesome at connecting dots. Your mind is a master at filling in the blanks. Is it not? You can get one thing. I mean, I'll use the current, well, it's not current. It's been the last few, several years. Uh, the, the Politics. Doesn't matter if it's President Trump, President Obama, President Bush, President Clinton. It doesn't matter who it was. A president can give a speech, and it is incredible, is it not? All of the things that the pundits say from that was the most awesome thing. The same speech, the most awesome thing to the most stupid thing. Right? Our mind works that way. Our mind has the ability to take what we don't know, fill in the blanks, but many times it can paint a bad picture. It can paint a wrong picture. And that wrong picture or that picture that is painted is dominated by our belief system, by what we really think, by what we really believe, by the core of our being. And so again, he says the weapons of our warfare, they're not of this life. Not of the, if you try to fight this fight in the natural, you will lose it. He said, I've given you spiritual weapons. And he said, I want you to cast down every argument, every not, every not, everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And can I tell you this morning that if you don't have any knowledge of God, you are unarmed in this fight. I'm going to say something. And, and this is why. This is why we encourage small groups here. I believe this. Every single person needs a circle. You've come this morning, you're sitting in a row, shoulder to shoulder, there's power, there's strength, that's awesome, but there are things that won't happen in a row that can only happen in a circle. When you're eyeball to eyeball, when you are heart to heart, where iron can sharpen iron, where you can show up and say, you know what, I've been struggling with something, or I just need prayer. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 6, he said, don't be anxious about anything. I need to read this one. Don't be anxious about anything. Where am I at? I'm right here. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, I believe this. And it, actually, I don't even have to believe it. I just know it. In 2018, most of you and me are going to have situations. Amen? Chances are, you see, everything I'm saying to you this morning, this, it, 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 I'm not implying that you will never have a struggle or a problem. What I'm implying to you this morning is that there are some things. Faith is not designed to make your life easier. Faith is designed to take impossible situations and make them possible. And that's a big difference because most people want faith to get rid of every problem in their life. Guess what? If you're living on planet Earth, planet Earth has problems. The only way you will live a problem-free life is to die. That's when your last fight... fight that's when your last bottle, bottle, battle has been fought. Good grief. <sighs> Hallelujah. I still got another service to go yet. Wow, glory to God. So he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, this is why we need the circles in our life. This is why we need small groups. This is why we encourage growth track in your life. It's not just another thing to do. It's to help us in this. It's to help us in putting God first. So he goes on and he says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Use your words, church. 
Instead of whining, instead of complaining, instead of moaning and groaning about life, use your words to talk to God. And notice what he says. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Not with worry. Not with fear. With thanksgiving. And then he says, And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You have the power, you have the ability to think God thoughts and to speak God things. And so if I were you in 2018, not only would I make it a priority to keep God number one in your life, I would make it a priority. I know this is hard to see, but there's a little brain with a bubble thought. I would make it a priority to be careful what I think about and what I talk about because your mind could fall down into the gutter. Now, stick so keeping God number one in your life that's a priority that all of us should should work towards giving God control of my heart means giving God control of my mind what I think about and what I talk about now I want to bring it down to this thought this morning because God's given us an offer mentioned it several times he said I'll lead you and I'll guide you. I'll bring vitality and health into your life. I'll fill your barn with stuff. All the stuff that you're you're worried about, concerned about, I'll bring all of that into your life if you just put me first. But, But here's what we a lot of times do. Because we don't have a strong relationship with God, and that's really what this is, because we don't have a strong relationship with God, or maybe because, and we'll talk about this next week, maybe because we're not convinced about some things or are not convinced about how how much he cares about us and how much he has our best interest in heart. What we, what we tend to do is we, we tend to set up a chair for God. We say, okay, God, I, I want you to be right over there. I want you, not too far away, but I want you to be right over there. I want you to be accessible, but I don't want to give you necessarily control. And so God, here's the deal that I'm going to make with you. I, I want you to, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, worship you and I'll go to church, might throw money in the plate. I'm going to do some of those things, but I'm going to live my life. I I really don't want you messing with my life too much because I don't want to give up too much control. But I want you right over here accessible to me so that when the situation arises, then God, I want to invite you into my life. When the situation arises and it's too big for me to handle, then I want you to be involved in my life. But can I tell you this morning, God doesn't want to be your plan B. God doesn't want to be your backup plan. God wants to be your plan A. And this is a battle. This is a battle. And it's really, really easy for us to make excuses. I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have that. Nobody has time. Nobody has this. Nobody has that. It's a decision. That I'm going to prioritize my life around the things that God said. Because why? Because I'm making it a priority in 2018 to put him first, to put his ways first, to put his kingdom, not my kingdom, not my ways. And for some of you, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to unbutton some buttons. You're going to have to undo some things before you can ever get back here if you're really serious about this. Because you've spent years going the wrong way and you're in a mess. 
You thought that God was your plan B and he wants to be your plan A. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, nobody looking around, the first thing I wanna ask you to do this morning as you consider your ways in 2018 and God's ways, I want you to, I want you to think, what's the one area, God? What's one area that, 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 that I want to give you the controlling interest? What's an area that has my heart to such a degree that I can't trust you? And then just begin to thank him. God, I, I thank you that you've given me power over this. I resist fear. I come against it in the name of Jesus, and I surrender and submit that to you today. Father, do a work in my heart. Do a work in my life. Secondly, if you're here today and you've never fully surrendered your life to Christ, you've never made him your Lord and your Savior, and you would like to today, it is a step of faith. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you're here today and you've never taken that very first step and you want to today, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer with you. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor Brian, I, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior today. Just hold your hand up real high. Please don't be afraid. I'm not going to ask you to do anything but pray with me. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this great congregation of men and women. And Father, I know that this fight is not an easy fight, but it is a winnable fight. And so I thank you that you've given us authority to have victory in these things. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said...